Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Come in. Oh my Welcome back, everybody. Uh, if you're a usual point of order listener, I regret to inform you that Joe and the gang are out this week. I'm Colby Smith. I host Young Persons Radio right before this program, uh, your Sunday morning comedy talk program, uh, every Sunday at 10, right before point of order at 11. And uh, uh, Joe and everybody else have Father's Day obligations today, so I am filling in here, uh, continuing my show into the second hour. And uh, who is with me but uh, uh, my boy Jack? Hey, everybody. My boy Jack. It's my boy Jack. You got your Father's Day obligations. Get up now. on that mic. Oh, is this not there this you better? Go. Yeah, yeah. You, you got I your wanna... Father's Obligations Day done already. That's right. We celebrated last night. <laughs> <laughs> my pa- family chose to have a private celebration at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's, I would tell my listeners, but I'm not sure I would tell the point of order listeners. They're just be like, this isn't the Mets. Yeah, right now they're probably screaming at their own mirrors yeah. about how it's not the Mets. Is that true, everybody? Call in. Call in right now at 904-351-0729. That's 904-351-0729. You can call right in. I'll, re- uh, I'll get you all riled up. I mean, I feel like you're asked to cover this hour a lot. Uh-huh. And only in the most sort of like superficial like going through the motions, energyless way, or have you ever even tried to cover sports? Uh huh. Um, and I don't even, that's my feeling. But they don't ask me to cover sports. It's like an unwritten rule at the station that you, uh, when you sub for somebody, you try and follow their, their format. Right. But I always understood that this station was a service to the people. It is. Giving them what they want, mm-hmm. regardless of your own sort of petty artistic vision, you know? Uh, okay, yeah, let's talk about the World Cup then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We should talk <laughs> about the World Cup. So, I have not been following the World Cup at all. I spoke to my father very briefly this morning because mm-hmm. uh, his phone wasn't getting good reception. So, after like two tries of the cow cutting out, we just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said, how's the World Cup going? And he said, it's good. And I said, is Ireland did it? Um, and he said, no. Like, it was one of the dumber questions I could have asked. Yeah. You know who else is not in it? The U.S. The U.S. of A. Huh. Not good enough. That's weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a soccer country. Well, okay. I know it's very, like, har, har, har. Like, America doesn't know, doesn't play soccer, but everyone else in the world does. And like, uh-huh. why don't we like soccer? But every child plays soccer. That's right. And it just goes nowhere. Yes. It's truly no end in sight. Yeah, it's like working a dead-end job. There's no place for them to, to grow. Yeah, there's no upward mobility. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can do super soccer stars all you want when you're nine. <laughs> Is that the name of your league? Your soccer That's league? That's the name of a popular children's league in the city. Oh, sure. Super soccer stars. I'm not plugged in. <laughs> Look, you gotta, if you're going to come on point of order, yeah, you got to know youth soccer leagues everywhere. We had PVAA soccer where I was growing up. What does that stand for? Uh, I don't know. Let's look it up. I want to get this right. I want to get this right. (laughs) It stands for... I can't be right. (laughs) The Korean Patriots and Veterans Administration (laughs) Agency. 
I wouldn't be due to the due to historically the funding of the VA. I wouldn't be surprised if those two things merged. Oh, Potomac Valley Athletic Association. <laughs> that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if someone's bright idea was to use enthusiasm for children's soccer to drum up funds for the local veterans association. It, oh, they they are. Uh, I mean, we would have like like uh, the end of the um, end of the season party would be at like VFW halls, you know, so it really oh. would be very easy to. Did you not have Chuck E. Cheese's in your town? No, the closest one was like an hour or so away in, in Hagerstown, Maryland. You guys, you guys could make an hour trip. It's a lot to celebrate ask. a league. It's a lot to ask our right. families. That's true. That's fair and true. Families, especially uh, for a sport again, like a a purposeless sport that will do nothing for your child. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I played soccer when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. More than any, were you a striker? No, <laughs> I think actually, I think that's a rude question to ask. What I was, uh, it really. I mean, it did. It did give me my first taste of um, eating in a field, mm-hmm. which I guess was sort of a, a skill-slash-set of experiences that would guide me for the rest of my life. <laughs> Otherwise, um, it didn't do a lot for me. I wasn't, you know, I knew to kick the ball. Mm-hmm. But that much I grasped. <laughs> just, Jack would just kick it straight up in the air. Yeah, I mean the direct that where it went was out of my hands. <laughs> That's a soccer pun too. But uh, I, I didn't. It's not like I stepped on the field and I was like, oh, I, I finally feel alive mm-hmm. out there. Life is so crazy, and I don't understand anything. And I'm just a kid, but in here there are yeah. rules, and I. I can I can live here. I can I can thrive here. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my experience, but I know it's experience for a lot of children. I didn't play uh, organized sports at all until middle school when I played middle school basketball. Well, wasn't that because you were? weren't you like raised in a like a one room schoolhouse? My bed was the desk. <laughs> Your bed was the desk. <laughs> uh, the sidewalk is my pillow. What is that? Is that Allen Ginsberg? <laughs> yeah, it's, Al- it's from Howl. <laughs> That's a line from Howl. <laughs> a big section of Howl is just Allen Ginsberg naming things that are outside and comparing them to parts of a bed. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Hold on, we can we can do this. We can do this. Let me just let, let me just pull it up real quick. Let me just pull it up real, real some, quick. Wait. <laughs> I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro street. What? At dawn, <laughs> looking for Alan. an angry fix, angle-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night. The sidewalk was my pillow. <laughs> uh. This is a second line. Allen Ginsberg... I think, like many beat poets who are essentially just uh, like the crust punks of their generation, <laughs> felt a sort of uh, a propriety and kinship to that word that they did not have or deserve. Oh, there's a horrible pun later on in this Atlantic City Hall. Um, get it? It's it's corrupt. I think I get it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to be engaging with the work of Allen Ginsberg today, just this morning. <laughs> uh, I've gotten pretty far without doing it this, at all. I'm just giving it and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know that it's very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
What's the one where he's... Never mind. We'll move on. Where he's on. eating a big pizza? <laughs> What's the Allen Ginsberg poem where he goes, Groovy baby. <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> It's know. my jumbo jet. <laughs> <laughs> that that scene in Austin Powers is ripped right from Allen Ginsberg. Yeah, well, he was a sort of, I mean, he was a, a Ginsberg figure. Mm-hmm. That's a, what kind of person was Austin Powers supposed to be aping, like specifically? Well, like like the the. Um... Not even I don't I feel like it's not even specifically James Bond. It's like that kind of like uh like smarmy uh like sixties playboy. It was more sure. it was more in like all of the swinging sixties movies like the swinging London movies of the sixties more so than it is like specifically James Bond. Because it was like that that was kind of the fashion that was like on screen at the time. Okay. I mean the glasses and the goofy stuff was, you know, a comedic embellishment, but like <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's really, I mean, like, uh, what's that movie? The movie with Blow Up? Blow Up? What's the guy in if that If we're going to pivot this into the films of the 60s, I don't know that I'm going to be able to participate. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could tell you one film made in the 60s that I've seen. David Hemmings. Austin Powers looks exactly like David Hemmings. Thanks for <laughs> for finding a familiar touchstone for my experience. People should just look it up if they want to, you know, and uh, uh, you know, educate themselves a little bit. That's all I'm saying. So, Allen Ginsberg. <laughs> Wait, no, I want to keep going. I want to still talk about the World Cup. I want to retain. Okay. I don't want to go into the red in terms of point of order viewership. Sure. I don't yeah. want to lose people who come who are loyal and listen every every week. That's right. And they need to they need to talk about. Um, they need to hear the latest uh, points, RBIs, uh-huh. whips, whips, scores. Yeah, um, triple doubles. Yeah, triple doubles. Um, so the World, so World Cup. Cup. Yeah. Where? Ronaldo. This is this is a dumb question, but where is the World Cup uh-huh. happening? It's in Russia this year. Yikes! Yeah. Yeah. They just can't. They they just want everything, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they want everything. They've got our president, <laughs> and now they have uh, the sport of kings. Yeah, that's right. Shoe ball. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I can't keep this up. I, up this facade. I don't. I oh, just, okay. I thought I you had. Probably, I thought you had. Something I know. I really don't. I really. I sort of felt confident that kind of like uh, intuitively, I'd be able to sort of make some kind of sort of insightful statement about the World mm-hmm. Cup. I really got nothing. Yeah. I think soccer is uh it's lame. Mm-hmm. Sure. I call it lame. Uh I think the culture of Americans who are into soccer are among the the lower rungs in terms of like you're horrible people. Uh-huh. Uh I think people think that like it's cosmopolitan but also like smart. To yeah. be into soccer if you're an American. Yeah. Uh, and I... I think it's the sports equivalent of when someone knows a couple of Spanish words and bends over backwards to drop them sure, into sure, conversation sure, sure, like sure. they're a real citizen of the world. Exactly. Like when they're just like, hey, Benaki, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, you really... It's like, there's... I don't know what it is about this that drives me so nuts. 
Benicky. But no, not not that specifically. But this practice of like of this like show offy like. Uh, That's because white people want everything. It's they I mean, want there you go. Everything there is. There you go. Please give me, give me. Yeah. Um. He's lost in thought. Wait for it, gang. Uh, it's going to be a real doozer. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think soccer, soccer is dumb. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's all that we really, I really to think, say about it. Oh, that's what it is. Smart people, Americans who think they're like sort of smart and cultured, are like into soccer and very performative about it. Mm. Um, and. Maybe that's like completely sincere. I don't understand why anyone likes any sports, so sure. I I can only see it <clears throat> as sort of like as performative, which might be just a complete misreading, and mm-hmm. probably is. Yeah. Um, but I just would really want to get on the record that if you were a smart person and wanted to watch sports, you would be watching esports. <laughs> we're back here again. Uh, we're back here again. It's the sport. Esports is the. It's the. It's the. It's the chess. Of soccer, no, it's the soccer of chess. I would say. How do I put this? It's a, it's harder than chess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And there's more action and more colors. There and are more, more personalities. Colors. More personalities. Yeah. Well, I would say uh, uh, that is the personalities is what I like about basketball. Okay. Because I think there's more room in basketball for people to express that, to have these, like, big personalities than there is in definitely in football and definitely in baseball. Football, they get those touchdown dances. But not everybody gets to score those. You can be, like, any position in basketball and ha- and be, like, there's something interesting about you. Yeah, but when and where can you dance? <laughs> really, anytime you want. Yes, that's true. Your I team guess will be mad at the you. The sport of basketball is itself... Uh... Sort of dance. Mm. It's like jazz. It's a lot like basketball's like jazz. I've heard that before. Yeah, I think it was on The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, Jack, Mm. but uh, everybody's talking about uh, all these new shows. When (laughs) I can't seem to stop rewatching The Office. I'll just rewatch The Office for hours. Even like even the later seasons. I'll just uh, like. I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, it's a bright day and all my my friends are outside. And, like, the things that I know intellectually make me happy and feel better. And then I'll just be like, Meh, and I'll roll over. And then I'll uh, just watch three hours of The Office that I've already seen. Jim and Pam. You know who I like better than Jim and Pam? Who? Um, uh, uh, Ed, Ed Helms and, uh, and, uh, and Ellie Kemper. No, you don't. I love them together. That's a lie. I buy that romance so quick. Really? No. <laughs> okay. No, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think the idea of being a huge Office fan and uh, loving uh, Aaron and Andy is really funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the equivalent of being a huge House fan and really loving, like, the uh, Olivia Wilde Omar Epps yeah. romance yes. they threw in at like season seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's much. That's that compare the house comparison. Mm. I have a lot more respect for that because House throughout its entire run was a complex and sophisticated show mm-hmm. that uh, deserves scrutiny and um, like intellectual desiccation mm-hmm. because it's. 
it's like a tapestry, you know? It's like a every fiber <clears throat> compelling on its own, yet when zoomed out and viewed in tandem hmm. in conjunction with it, with it, the many other parts of the show create a greater hold hmm. that's just it's all inspiring to behold. Yeah, I love House. 904-351-0729. That's 904-351-0729. Now, Jack, mm. you and I were talking the other day about uh, um, uh, the uh, the breakdown of the wall between uh, the professional artist and the amateur artist. Do you remember this? I don't know. I don't know, Cole. We talk about so many similarly abstract and highbrow things. Uh, it might have gotten lost in the shuffle. But well, we were talking about just the the crumbling infrastructure of uh, monetary support for the arts. Sure. In terms of uh, the entertainment industry, and then elsewhere, uh, as it becomes uh, less and less commodifiable. Yeah. Uh, as I mean, time goes on, and you framed this as a good thing. Yes. Well, okay, Cole. Um, so look at you. Look at you. You and your artistic career right now. I mean, look at where we are. Yes. We're in an internet-only radio station. That's right. In this little room. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty years ago, you would have just you would have just been Howard Stern. Your career would have exploded by now. I mm-hmm. mean, the things you bring to the table are are compelling. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not done. Uh, they speak to a wide audience. They both amuse and um, provoke. Oh, I'm regretting having you on the show you don't like this long form <laughs> slow roast of you uh but uh you know no one listens to, to the the radio anymore mm-hmm. and that's something that you should clip and have running between shows here <laughs> but jack <laughs> i would point you i would dead. point you to this uh-huh quote on the wall which i talked about in the last hour as well uh according to violet bees on yelp we are, or not on Yelp, on Google. We are fun, interesting, and at the core of the Brooklyn arts community. Do you feel that way? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Unquestionably, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's, it's... if. But see, where does that leave shows like this one? Like the sports show? What about That's it? That's not in the arts community. Sure it is. In what way? I mean, uh... Talking about sports is an art. Fair ask, enough. Um, ask any kid who wasn't good enough to do even s- college sports, mm-hmm. but still like loves sports so much. So he uh, like finds a weird like news broadcasting program at his undergrad college and makes that his whole thing. I would argue that that is different because the student stations are there specifically for 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 to learn for to learn <laughs> it to make my brain big where it is like i i i feel like it's part of that experience of let's create this miniature society uh that's run exclusively by the students so that they can see what it's like and i'm not saying that that's good or bad i'm just saying that 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 i think is it's in service of that uh mission but 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 Sports radio in the broad, the, not college sports radio, which is no. children, but something like this. Yes. Uh, what would you call it? Like journalism? Uh, no. Well, find a label to put on it, Kolb. Uh, I would call it programming. And that it is. Literally that. Literally that. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so instead of, I don't know, uh, living in a condominium mm-hmm. and um, having a, a, your own juice presser, Mm-mm. so you don't have to go to the store for juice anymore, you just make it at home. Yes. And the other trappings of wealth. Yes. Uh, that you'd be experiencing at this point in your career if we lived in like the 90s or something. And you'd be a phenomenon. You'd be on the cover of like Guitar World magazine, oh. even though you don't play guitar, but that's the kind of people who like you. Um, instead, you're, you know, I mean, I know what your life looks like. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> but, you know, you got to you, you're on you're you're on a hustle. You're on a grind. But I think what what <laughs> get this away from me. I'm just, I, I think, think you're the, the way, perfect example. The way that you were framing it was. That the lack of the 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 the, uh, the ongoing decoupling of art from money is good in that people can't do it to get rich. People They'd, can't even do it to make a living. Yes, which I think yes, is, which is the thing. I think, but you think you're saying that's that's good because it it leads to a more uh, um, equitable art well, world. I mean, equitable art world, like sure, and I do think that's important. But I mean. Mm-hmm. Speaking just to like the quality of the art itself. Yes, um, it can't be. If there's no money in it, it can't be commercial. Is what you're saying? One, if there's no money in it, it can't be commercial, which I think is like kind of the undergirding of the whole idea. Yeah. But two, if you're like, uh, did you see? <laughs> oh my god! I guess we're gonna talk about this a little bit more later. But did you? Did you? You have not seen Hereditary yet? Not yet. No. Okay. I think I'm gonna go to. I don't think this is a spoiler. It's definitely not a spoiler. But Tony Collette, the mom. Her job is she, she makes she sculpts miniatures. Mm-hmm. She just has a big workshop full of like like shoe size shoebox sized rooms, and she sculpts like little people in the rooms, and they're like very realistic. And like if somehow, I mean, I think that's pretty. If somehow that is your job, like that mm-hmm. you don't go to work, you don't you just <laughs> do that. Yeah, like I don't uh, you I would I would say. That there's no way for you to make an art that resonates with most normal people's life. Because to you, life is being good enough at making tiny little men that people pay you enough money for you to live on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think um, – it's not an equitable experience, you know? Like no one cares – no one can relate to that. Right. So I I guess uh, 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 I'm with you on that. Um, I the the only like uh, devil's advocate argument I can see from that is like you remember in Movable Feast whenever Hemingway is like talking about how he's trying to get he and all his friends are trying to get enough money together so that uh, so they can throw a kegger. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they can get T. S. Eliot to quit his job at the bank. Yeah. So that he has more time to write. Yeah. Is there an argument for? Uh, uh, the old system in that it allowed for people to devote themselves entirely to the to the perfection of their craft. Well, I mean, I'll concede this, right? Mm-hmm. If that hadn't happened, T.S. Eliot wouldn't have written The Wasteland, and then 20-year-olds wouldn't know what to get tattooed on them. <laughs> and that would be a great loss for the culture. I mean, you make a pretty great point. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Um, it's also funny. 
I mean, to, to go take a very roundabout way to answer that question, mm-hmm. if you read like Movable Feast or any of that shit, like Hemingway thought that he had a real person's job, like a yes. man's job. He was yeah. a, he, he says a lot. He's like, I'm a newspaperman. <laughs> yeah. A newspaperman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that was somehow uh, skilled labor, mm-hmm. which I don't mean to imply that it's not, though I'm not. To me, I, that wouldn't be a, such a sacrilegious idea that journalism is not real, real <laughs> work. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean that, like, um, he clearly seemed to felt feel that there is, like, uh, an economic sector that is, like, the arts. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be – art needs to be produced by someone, by, like, a class of people. And um, – it requires like a certain set of skills to 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 produce, mm-hmm. uh, and as opposed to this idea that like, um, which is kind of like the second part of like uh, the benefits of art being demonetized is that like, in my opinion, like pretty much everyone can make art, and everyone mm-hmm. probably has to make art. I believe that to satisfy a certain like intellectual, emotional, spiritual needs or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And no one's saying that that's necessarily good art, but. I think enough of it is good art that uh, we can't pay everyone to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Enough of it is good that people would want it, yet there's not, like, a sustainable, like, marketplace for it or mm-hmm. whatever. So a lot of that either doesn't get made or doesn't get seen because, um, you know, of the, like, 50 guys, like, making, uh, I don't know, little hats right. out of uh, out of recovered uh boat canvas mm-hmm. boat canvases <sighs> i couldn't even think of an example of bad <laughs> art uh but sure for all those 50 people only one of them is probably like uh getting discovered and then like cornering the boat mm-hmm. canvas hat market and then the rest of them just got to sort of do it and maybe right. sell a couple on etsy yeah or and that doesn't mean they should not be doing it or that they're not cut out to exactly do it. it doesn't yeah. mean that theirs isn't good and blah blah, blah 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 um but it, then it creates this sort of weird paradigm where i wish i had chosen a better piece of bad art because boat canvas hat doesn't isn't doesn't make any sense mm. but where like well there's the one there's the master of the boat canvas art right and he really you know uh he really broke through and like uh, was a pioneer and blah 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 blah, uh, but it's just not really true. It's mostly mm-hmm. just like where you are and like how lucky you get. And frankly, as I think you would probably agree with me, just kind of how much of a an obnoxious showboating dick you are. Mm-hmm. And you come to parties and you hand out your boat canvas ass, and then you say no, you have to pay for that now. And people are like what? Like I don't even know what this is. Like I'm <laughs> looking at it, and I don't even know what it is. And they say it's a boat canvas hat, and it's hard to make. Yeah. Give me fifty dollars, and they're like, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah. Uh, so they do it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the other thing that's uh, that's appealing to me about this idea that you're 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 putting forward is uh, this system of you are either a successful you are a successful artist once you can support yourself on your art alone has led to this prevailing idea for the last hundred or so years, but it seems to have gotten worse in the last twenty. That the artist is somehow separate from society or greater than society. Oh, right. Like exactly. I was telling you, this was this was months ago. But I was telling you about the guy I saw walking the streets uh, in this neighborhood, uh, wearing a shirt that said "Weapons of Mass Creation." <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. First of all, cool. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the same. It's like the sticker you put in your acoustic guitar that says this machine, what, is it, like starts revolutions? Yeah. Well, topples fascism. Kill, kills fascists. Kills yeah. fascists. Yeah. Uh, first of all, for the record, fascists love acoustic guitar music. It's their big thing. Uh-huh. Um, they love finger-picking most of all. Oh, for sure. Fascists love finger-picking. Hashtag it, folks. FLL, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> weapons mask. Of yeah, it, it implies that like for some somehow like the idea that like uh, you feel compelled to like cut out different pictures for magazines and then put them all together on one big poster mm-hmm. board, uh, and that speaks to a kind of like deep insight that you have not into just the aesthetic world, mm-hmm. but also to the 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 folly of man's nature and yeah. his many shortcomings uh, as our society evolves. Uh, I mean, it's just sort of, I mean, it's just like very, very regular egotism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if everyone does stuff like that, cause the thing is everyone has that innate capacity and I believe sure. it has that innate compulsion too. Uh, you're just like, Oh, well I'm now just like a, oh, one of many, like a worker among workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I make these things like for myself and like hopefully right. for whoever gets something from them. Yeah. But like. If you're walking around with a T-shirt that says "Weapons of Mass Creation," and I don't know, like uh, you, you 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 do photo shoots where it's like you know a bunch of roses and potpourri, but then there's like a mm-hmm. beef heart in the middle of it or whatever, and you think like, ah, yes, like this is this is how I am weaponizing my unique skills mm-hmm. to dismantle uh, oppression in all its forms. It, it's it's just not. Uh, very true. Well, I also think that this, it, it on a on a person to person level, this like fetishization, for lack of a better term, of like the quote unquote artist and like creating this like exclusive community uh, uh, of like of people like this squashes the impulse in other people to uh, pursue artistic expression that they might otherwise. Right. Because they see these people as like, oh, I'm not like I'm that. I'm not like that. Uh, uh, I, I must have nothing in common. Like, these must be, like, childish fantasies. I completely agree. Yeah. Because I'm not willing to sort of, like, make it to engage in what is 90%, like, really the most superficial elements of being mm-hmm. a quote-unquote artist. Like, well, I don't want to get gauges. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I guess my... my uh, I don't need glasses. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I can't sculpt. I guess I can't sculpt. Um, and I think, like, vice versa, it also creates – it really dehumanizes, like, the vast majority of the population where it's like, yeah. these finance bros, they don't get my macaroni stuff mm-hmm. or whatever, which is, like, first of all, probably true. <laughs> they probably don't care about your art. I never but will. But it, it, it implies a lack of humanity. Exactly. That, that, is, that is, like, antithetical to the idea of creating art at all. We, right. have, a, we have a caller oh. on the line. Caller, welcome to the program. Hey, point of order. Wow. LeBron James. Hi, Timothy. Paul George, Los Angeles Lakers. It's happening, I'm telling you. Kevin Durant, that coward, built a super team, and LeBron needs to build one of his own. That coward, Kevin Durant, went to Golden State, stole two rings from the king, and stole from us the chance to see greatness really and the, the Jordan LeBron debate 
once and for all. Time for LeBron to take it back in Los Angeles. I know you guys are going to want to talk about the Mets, but if you could please talk about the NBA for a little bit, man, I really appreciate it. I'm going to sit back and let you answer. <laughs> Tim, Tim, it's 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 Young Persons Radio. We're subbing for Point of Order today. What? Yeah, it's 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 Kolb. Tim, Jack's here too. We're we're glad you called. Oh. Um, we were speaking about well the role of the artist in modern society, and I, on a greater level, uh, the role of art in what makes a human a human. Fine. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um. Okay. Actually, I find this interesting. I was having a uh, conversation with my parents very recently today, mm. uh, five minutes ago, <laughs> and. Uh, we both agreed that movies are bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Go on. Please go on. And now I have this uh, movie pass, so I've been seeing a lot more movies. I was just bragging to them about how I've seen, uh, I believe, 14 movies this year, which is way more mm-hmm. than I have in the past few years, which I think was three. I don't know how many Marvel movies came out in the past three years, <laughs> but uh, that's how many movies I've seen in the past three years. You go just for so Marvel. It seems a lot, and I will say most of them, not good. They're all, they're mostly not good movies. Well, yeah. Even the ones I enjoy, not good movies. Hit us with um, an example of a bad movie know. you saw recently. You what? Give me an example of like a bad movie you saw recently. Um, I don't know. I saw uh, Ocean's Eight. Okay, oh, yeah. me too. Love the cast. Yeah, good cast. Not a great movie. No, no, uh, no. I saw Hotel Artemis. Like the cast, it's an amazing concept. Not a good movie. Hmm. You uh-huh. see Hereditary? And so it's just a lot of this. I have not seen Hereditary. I, I thought you were going to go yesterday. Sold out again. Uh, oh, it's sold out. Oh, it's gotcha. really, really good. Gotcha. That sounds good. I saw Upgrade. That I thought was a really good movie. Wait, Upgrade where he just becomes a, a super soldier, goes on a killing spree? Yes. It's great. <laughs> He's a paraplegic, and he gets, uh, like, robot arms and legs that fight for him. And it's fun. It's great. It's a good action movie. It's I mean, I that does sound pretty rad. It does, sure. Oh, it's rad. The fight scenes are awesome. It's got a... It's got a... It's got, um, I don't know, the director cares enough to make, like, a unique film and, like, shoot some unique shots and try something. Mm-hmm. Um, do, so the, the the limbs move almost on their own accord? Uh, yeah, like, they'll take over and fight for him. What if he winds up killing someone he doesn't want to kill? Well, I don't want to ruin anything. Oh, so oh, that is a plot point. Wow. Okay. Wow. I think that's interesting. Well, but, yeah, it's an interesting idea. But, I mean, Hotel Artemis, I thought, was a brilliant idea. It's just like a, a hospital for criminals. And they set it in, like, this futuristic world, which makes it shitty, and it's, and it's bad. It's just very bad. So, so yeah, so I what... I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be good. So, but what led you to this conclusion that movies are bad with your parents? What did they have to say? Yeah, I want to hear your parents spin on it. <laughs> well, I don't know. My, uh, my mom was talking about how great a drift was. And how she really liked oh. it. And at the same time, me and my dad were like, I'm not a fan of the girl. Just the preview to Adrift made me really, really, really uncomfortable mm-hmm. for reasons that I actually could not access. Uh, it really, I feel like I, it's just one long anxiety trip. It's like, oh, I really hope they get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's the whole, I don't know why. I don't know why, 
but I'm just really not a fan of the uh, of what's her face. I think she's a good she's Sh- a good actress. Shalene Woodley. I think yeah. she's attractive, but I just am not a fan of her. And every time movie, he's like, "Oh yeah, I would sail around the world for you," and I'm like, "Ah." Well, the thing about Shalene Woodley is that she's notoriously obnoxious IRL. Yes, she's like a deeply obnoxious person who like doesn't. She's like an anti-vaxer. Uh, she's that sort of special kind of veganism that you don't even know about yet. So here's not not to jump too far away from this, right? Here's the thing about a drift that I've been thinking about, right? Because this thing you, you mentioned it, it was just like they meet, they fall in love very quickly, and then he's like, oh, "I'll sail around the world with you," right? And it, this all happens in, the, in a very short amount of time. There are people like that in the world, yeah. That like they are just like super ready to like. Uh, for lack of a better term, fall in love and just like go go whole hog, commit like two hundred percent to this new relationship, like go on like trips together uh, right away and all that stuff. But that is unusual. Sure, like that's an unusual behavior that like should be like exp- like you could explore in a movie scenario, not just taking a complete face value of like yeah, and this is what they did. Well, uh, and then it goes from there. It's I- a degree away from a horror movie. Yes, sure. <laughs> right? Isn't there a version of this where he is becomes over obsessed with her, tries to get her on a boat and murder her? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd see that movie. I mean, I, I haven't seen a drip, so I can't really speak to like what it does and doesn't do with the whole premise. But I do agree that we are generally through movies presented with this idea that like, well. When you're really in love, this, you're yeah. glad to go in a boat with someone. You've, this is this is what real love is. Yeah, and uh, uh, you, when you know it, you and know it. I've never ever experienced that. <laughs> well, not anyway. I don't think even as a child, Mm-mm. I would have gone on a boat for a year with like my parents. <laughs> I would have been like, I, Whoa. I, mean, I don't know if you guys were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. but maybe with this movie thing and how uh, most movies are bad. And I, you know, I mean, I've been trying to watch more stand-up because I'm trying to do stand-up. Yeah. And most of the yeah, time, I watch a stand-up special, and I just think, huh, stand-up is hard. Right. You know? <laughs> like, from a critical perspective, I would say that most stand-up is not great. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a handful of people who've been doing it long enough and are talented enough that they, you know, ascend to the echelon of greatness. Yeah. Well, but I, like I, I would say that more movies is also it. really hard. I, I was just going to say, I think it's I think it's just like anything else where... Uh, it just takes a really long time to be good at something, and if you just you need to you need to enjoy the process of getting good, at just as much as being good at it. Here's how hard movies are to make. Yeah. I don't even know how they keep the camera still. <laughs> when I'm taking a video of something, it wobbles around. <laughs> so that seems tough to me. Well, the crazy thing about movies is that. There are 200 people working on them at any given time, Mm -hmm. all with different, with varying skill levels, right? So you might have, like, a really good, even, we're talking the core creative team, you might have a screenwriter and a director that are really in sync, and then this lead actor just, like, doesn't get it, but they're stuck with that person for whatever reason, or you might have, like, a really good script that a younger director just, like, messes up, uh... And then you just might have uh, you might have like the so- the guy the the DP who did Solo who just uh, makes everything dark for some reason. Yeah, it was a dark movie. Just not, like turns on totally. one dim lamp. Yeah, well, that's what life is like. 
Yeah, it's a response to the uh, <laughs> the dark ages of the Trump administration. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking about Skull the other day and how it was how nothing happened to him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He was just like we meet our hero, and he's just like a plucky like daredevil, <laughs> and just remains the same throughout. Um, apparently, I I, I it's read this. Not good movie. Yeah, it's no. Another I read movie. this yesterday that apparently um, Disney hired an acting coach because they were so unhappy with Alden Emmerich's performance during production, and they even brought in Harrison Ford himself to help him with his quote Han Solo mannerisms. Well, why did they? cast him i don't well i well this was the whole story was not not to get too into weeds of solo but uh um this is the lord and lord and miller were gonna direct it and they got like halfway through right production and they were fired and they brought in ron howard who's always had who's always been his his greatest strength is his blandness sure as a director yeah no i agree with that I just want one of those to be really weird. I feel like I was talking about this last week. We're going to get a really weird I one. I want a really weird one. I want a really weird Star Wars movie yeah. directed by, like, like uh, 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 um, Terrence Malick. <laughs> I think we're going to get a Star Wars movie where there's no humans in it, and there's no Jedi, <laughs> and there's, like... <laughs> uh, you just have, like, one of the clarinet players from the cantina, mm-hmm. and it's like, where does he go after the show? And then he's like a drug addict. Yeah. He like goes straight to a space bordello. Yeah. And oh. I turn off the lights. Oh, okay. So yeah, we follow him home and he like goes and he like gets his hit and he like spaces out. And then we find out like 45 minutes into the movie, like he accidentally killed his kid. <laughs> also, how are there no Jedi in that movie? I got to say this about all these, these Star Wars movies and spinoffs and everything. The Jedi are what I like about Star Wars. Same. Oh, if there's no Jedi in it, like, the, not for me. That's what I want to see when I go see not a for me. Star Wars movie. I want to see Jedi. That's what makes Star Wars different than other... I can't Jedi. believe I'm yelling about Star Wars. Jedi, this is what mind. all radio shows on this thing, <laughs> I believe, are. I believe it's nerds yelling about Star oh, Wars I can't... Uh, <sighs> every hour on the hour. How did I do this? How did I get here? Tim. Do you believe that all humans have the innate capacity to create art that is worthwhile to engage with? No. <laughs> no, I would I would say definitely not. Okay. okay. I feel like I feel like I kind of heard you talking about this earlier. How everybody has something You kind of heard us talking about this agree. for like 20 minutes. Oh. <sighs> Go on. I could not. I could not disagree more. Explain, go on, please. Please go on. This is why. This okay. is why you're the perfect if you, caller. If you want to distill art down to everything, then sure. Everybody. I think everybody has something to contribute. So if you're like, oh yeah, this guy's really good at janitor, being a janitor. He's good a janitor. At janitor. <laughs> he's a car mechanic. He's an artist when it comes to being a mechanic. Okay. You know? That's not really what I'm saying, but go on. Um, if that's what you are saying, then I guess I can believe some side of that. But there's also plenty of people who, like, you know, put a career on hold. And they decide to, you know, be a family person or, like, uh, whatever. And, and so you're, if you're, like, a uh, stay-at-home mom or dad, like, are you an artist of being a stay-at-home mom or dad? No, but no. what I'm saying is that if you're a stay-at-home mom or whatever, you still... I would posit have like a creative impulse because it's just a human thing. And then you'd find a way to do it 
And maybe that's just like, I don't know, uh, making models out of dominoes or, I don't know, writing Harlequin novels or regular kinds of non-Harlequin novels uh, or whatever You're it saying is. You're a thing. Yeah. They creative thing, yeah. And just because... A very specific thing. Right. And what I'm saying is that just because well, you're... I, I mean, we're going by, like, stand-up or movies. There are some people out there who are making movies that probably shouldn't be making movies. Well, yeah, exactly. There's plenty of people out there doing stand-up who probably shouldn't be doing stand-up. Right. Maybe there's something tangentially related to that that they could be doing and be well at. But I don't think that creativity is, like, an inherent human thing. But I, I don't think it's necessary. Well, I, I, I think what Jack is saying is like, yeah, there are probably, keeping with your example, there are probably uh, a ton of people out there who shouldn't, uh, who shouldn't be doing stand-up. But I think what we're saying is like stand-up just isn't there, is, the, is not the right medium for their voice. Like they probably have this creative impulse that can be, that can be satisfied through some other craft. Well, I would, I would actually go one step further. There's and only so many crafts. <laughs> right, like but... ten crafts. But like, but, but... Tim, like, if I decide I'm going to be a great uh, illustrator and I go to, like, art school and then I start, like, grinding really hard to be an illustrator, after a certain point, it doesn't really matter if I'm a good illustrator or not because I've decided that's what I'm doing and so I'm just doing it all the time. And in that way, it's just, like, a regular job. Like, these people who you see who are doing stand-up that you think are bad – They've probably dedicated a certain, like, dedicated their, they're not, you know, they're, they have a day job or whatever, but they're grinding to become a stand-up. And no matter how good they are, they're probably going to get some success just because they're doing it all the time. But I could dedicate my life to playing basketball right now. I'm not going to be in the NBA. But I don't think he's saying everybody who works really hard is going to be the NBA star equivalent of being a stand-up. Like, they're not going to be, like, touring th- – everybody's not going to be touring theaters. They're just – they're going to find some way to what live. What I'm saying is that these most of these artists who are artists by trade are self-selective. They decide they want to be an artist, and they go and do it. It doesn't really matter if they're very good or not. They're just doing it and calling themselves that. Nicole, is this tracking with you? personal inside of them? What? To satisfy some creative urge they have. Sure, right. But like, I could be like, oh. I mean, that's why they sell adult coloring books. <laughs> oh my god, that's savage, dude. <laughs> but I know, like, so that somebody can. I love. I'm saying that as someone who loves an adult coloring book. Well, sure. I'm I mean, like, hey, I want to draw, but I suck at drawing. <laughs> it fulfills this little need, and then I go back to doing my job. But, but, like, but conversely, I think there are people who are like, oh, like I'm, a, who are just naturally great painters, but. Being a painter for their life is just not what they want to do. Sure. I could, yeah, somebody could hypothetically be like a, a naturally gifted uh, athlete and then decide to get into whatever, some academic study. Right. So I guess. I don't I'm... know. I think it's a problem when we think that everybody is special. Well, I, th- I would go as far to say that uh, what we're trying to get across with this is. If you say that everyone is an artist, it keeps artists from feeling special. Exactly. Because I think that that impulse is damaging to both the individual and the art. Like, Tim. Yeah, if you're just like, everyone's a painter, then the painter who's dedicated the last 20 years of his life to creating really beautiful, moving art is like, what the fuck? No! No. (laughs) That's the opposite of what we said! (laughs) 
Um, like Tim, you know how you're just sort of like kind of this piss poor <laughs> stand up. You're tired of entitled artists. You know you're how you're tired, you're tired of entitled artists. You know how like stand up. Understand the viewpoint that everybody is a special snowflake. Nobody's like anybody else. Everyone has a story in their hearts that they just have to sing to the no, world. No, I'm saying you're everybody like, is like everyone else. We're saying Tim, we're saying that everyone is everyone else, like like everyone else. So just because you're really good at painting, you don't get to sort of believe that you're sort of called to some kind of higher calling. Exactly. Tim, let me continue my example. You know how this thing you love to do, stand-up? You know how you're, like, you have really hard limits on it? (laughs) Your ability is, like, pretty stymied, and, like, you're not good at it. Yeah. (laughs) But yet, you continue to get booked, and you get to do shows just because you're insisting that you're a stand-up. Because it's what? Because you're insisting you're a stand-up. I'm assisting? I'm insisting. You're insisting. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just kidding. That there's a hard cap on how great everybody can be. Sure, but th- I would never want you to ever stop doing stand-up just because you're terrible at it. And I'm also just being well, mean. Sure, I think you're a very, I, very good stand-up. What I'm making on is that my ceiling is higher than most people. True, and yeah. it is. Um, but right. if so it wasn't, would you, ever, well, would you stop? I can look people that I don't see in the same way and be like, I'm not a fan. Sure. You're, you're allowed to. I think you're allowed to. Uh, uh, s- still say that people aren't good and that you're better than other people. Yeah, I think you're definitely allowed to do that. I'm not saying that nobody. I'm not saying that nobody should be doing art. Yeah, I definitely would never discourage anybody from pursuing an art. Yeah, if whatever makes you happy makes you happy. If you're doing stand up and being bad at it makes you happy, then do it. If you're doing whatever, if you're right, good, right, right. If you're good at something and doing it occasionally brings you joy, then you should be doing. It. Definitely, I agree. Whether or not I want to see it. Is oh yes. Good. Oh, yes, true. yes, yes. That that's yeah, I, sure. I'm a hundred percent there with you on that. Whether or not I want to see a museum, I mean, we're, we were just talking about how bad movies are. Yeah, movies yeah. are. There bad. aren't enough good movies coming out. I mean, that's, there are people who are just workshopping movies and trying to get a little bit better at movies. That's a million you know? percent and that's true. Be a high platform. But if anyone could make movies, just you know, phoning it in. But if anyone could make movies, um, well, it's a conversation for another day. This has become like a real dorm chat. <laughs> Which I like. I'm into it. Um, if we can't talk about sports, we might as well discuss the nature and function of art yeah. in a society. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jack was really mean to me, but I can't really hear what you guys. Are saying. <laughs> oh, it's, it's okay. He was really mean to me at the very beginning yeah. too. I was just, I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. in good fun, <laughs> confidently describing to you what a bad stand-up you are. But I hope there's an understanding that I think you are a very good stand-up. And if I really thought you were a bad stand-up, I wouldn't say anything at all. In fact, we wouldn't be friends. Aw, thanks, yeah. bud. You got it. Um, um, but yeah, but then and then there's also like a certain subjective greatness too. Of like, well, some things that I think are really awesome, people don't like. My mom, yeah, like hot trip. pockets. I won't see mm-hmm. it. Like hot pockets. Um, I also want to say because Colby sort of jokingly mentioned that we have kind of. Seared pretty far from the intended topic of this show. Everything we said about art is true of sports. Sports and can art. I, can I, you know, the other thought I have about art in uh-huh. general, and maybe this is what you were talking about with like artists feeling hoity toity, mm-hmm. is that there's no difference between one job and another job in my mind. Yes. Interesting. There just isn't. I don't understand how somebody's like, like, there are so many good paying trade jobs out there. Mm-hmm. That if you go to trade school, you can come out, you can make six figures, and you can support your family. Mm-hmm. And there's people who are instead lining up to get into debt to go into college. 
Yeah. And that is just because of some mental it's an anxiety ego that we have that being like a mechanic or a plumber is like frowned upon and like, you know, being like a whatever intern at a sales, you know, getting into sales for the rest of your life is better. Right. Yeah. Well, it's actually like so much worse. In so many ways. Yeah. Like imagine if you had to work at, uh, at like Birchbox, <laughs> like in the office of Birchbox, uh, and you get paid like $25,000 a year and everyone tells you you're trash in the morning to your face. Mm-hmm. You would still, if you like wanted to live in a, in like a very small loft in Brooklyn, you'd still think you were on some kind of like appropriate upward trajectory towards being a sort of sophisticated person of the world. Yeah. When you, as Tim says, you could just be a plumber in Florida and be happy and make a lot of money. Yeah. And Tim, uh, and you could own your own business. You could own your own business. You could, you could set your own schedule. Mm-hmm. You could do whatever you wanted to do. That's freedom. That's what freedom is nowadays. Tim. Is being your own boss. I could talk to you about this for, for a long, long time, but we have got to wrap up the show now. All right. Let's go. All right. We'll talk soon, buddy. Love you guys. Good talk. Right Bye. back at you, buddy. Tim Keck. Tim Keck. Jack. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming out. Oh, it's my pleasure. I feel like we got a little, uh, uh, like, cerebral, and I hope not super boring. No, no. This is what people come for. This is what people like. Uh, But I do want to say the point of order will be back next week. And I will be back next week uh, in my usual time slot at 10 a.m. In the meantime, please stay tuned for the Brooklyn Conversation. Rosie will be in here in a mere moments. And then we've got talk shows live and pre-recorded all the rest of this Sunday here on Radio Free Brooklyn. So keep that dial tuned to RFB. Keep that player tab open. Keep that Radio Free Brooklyn app open on your device. Uh, Brooklyn Conversation coming up in a little bit. Thanks, everybody. Bye.